You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. My season has officially come to an end, a great 2021-2022 season, and I'm going to share with you eight key takeaways from my season that I hope will help you in your gym with your team. So it's an episode you don't want to miss. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after a number of years coaching competitive volleyball and as the head coach of the biggest college in Canada, I've become obsessed with helping coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to coach efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is the Volleyball by Design podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 92 of the Volleyball by Design podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? If you are a new listener to the podcast, welcome. My name is Coach Brian Singh, and I'm the host of the podcast. And thank you so much for finding this podcast and listening to this podcast, and I appreciate it, you know. Um, the goal of every episode is to try to provide some sort of value that you can take back to your team and apply it in your gym and hopefully see results much faster. And if you are a regular listener, as always, you know I appreciate you for tuning in, listening, and hopefully I'm able to you know help you just get that much better in today's episode. Uh, today's episode, a little bit of a different one. Um, you know, uh, if you've been following along, you know my season's been has been going on. It's been a very condensed season where there's, you know, one loss can make or break positioning when it comes to our league. Uh, unfortunately, it was a very, very short season. And as I think I've mentioned before, but we we were we were battling for first place for majority of the season up until our last game. And because there was a three-way tie, um, we unfortunately came third in that three-way tie and then moved down to fourth because the team we were tied with in third beat us in the regular season, put us in fourth. So it was it was crazy. One minute we're battling for first, and the next minute we're in fourth. Um, we we won our first playoff game, uh, and we did a great job. We the boys played really well, and then we crossed over with the number one team in the league. Um, they're actually the number one team in Canada, and they have been for quite some time. Uh, I think I don't. I think they're at like 26 or 27 games in a row they've won. They haven't lost a game in a couple of years, and we uh, we unfortunately we took a, we took an L to this team. They were they were very good, very efficient. Um, they're a much bigger team, uh, but our boys our boys tried. They they put in they put in some good work. Um, you know we were prepared. We knew exactly what that team was going to do to us. We we knew how to beat them. Um, unfortunately they, they just, they, they were better. They were better right now. As of today, they are a much better team. So you got to give credit where it's due. And they, uh, they, they handled us quite well and they're going to move on to the semifinals, uh, next week. And our season officially comes to an end. Um, but there are definitely some takeaways from this season that I want to share with you. And I'm hoping that it can, you know, help you in your gym and in your situation. The one thing I want to note is that you know, on our roster, 10 out of 12 players are first-year athletes or first-year varsity players. That's exceptional. Um, and the fact that we were a top-eight team in the league uh, speaks volume of their ability to develop 
on su- in such a fast amount of time and their ability to do to do well. And I'm extremely proud of those guys. They they played and they've improved and they've done a great job. And because of that, my first point that I want to make is experience matters. Experience matters. And and I, I've been doing this for a long time, and I can tell you, and I've taken on a lot of first year teams, and I know with certainty that sometimes it takes it takes that season. And if you watch pro sports, you can see it too. There's, it's very rarely when a team is put together they win in their first year. But it takes a full season for growth to really occur. I mean, you can grow a, a, along the course of a season, and that's great. But those are going to be minor growth spurts relative to the growth that you're going to go through when you complete a full season and then get ready for the next season, for year two. That is when you take your game to the next level. And I hold, and I, you know, I always tell myself, and we had our coaches debrief after the, after the game, and we're just like, you know, this is going to be a great experience for our group of guys because next year they're going to be that much stronger. They're going to have that much experience down their belt, and nothing's ever going to be the first time anymore. You know, it's not going to be their first away game or their first time going to an, another gym. And it's just, you, you got to get that first season out of the way to really take your team's ability and skill to the next level. So my first point is sometimes patience is tough, but it's important for it to happen. And when they get that first experience under their belt, your team is going to be that much better the next time and the next time uh, they, you know, providing their, they stay together and so forth. That's, so that's, that's uh, the first takeaway. The second takeaway is decision-making is important. And I say that with regards to how your offense is ran. And I guess this this falls predominantly with your setter. But, you know, I always say that the setters have two mo- two most important things. Location, location, location. So that's the first. Making sure their location is the same every single time. And the second is decision making. Their ability to put the ball in the right player's hands at the right moment in, in that game is crucial. Their ability to create the one-on-ones or one-on-nothings for your attackers is crucial. Their ability to make the read and see if the blocker is releasing early in a certain direction or where is the correct mismatch in any given moment is crucial. At the higher level, decision-making, some coaches may argue decision-making is even more important than location. And I can see why they would make that argument. Um, I'm, I, I kind of put them both side by side, to be quite honest. That's what I do. But decision-making can make or break the way your offense is ran. And we have a rookie setter. We have, we have two rookie setters this year, actually. And they're, they're fantastic athletes, very, very good, coachable young men. Um, but you can see that they're still developing their ability to make decisions. They're still learning when is the right moment and the right time to do certain things. And, you know, that's going to come with, again, it ties into my first point, that's going to come with experience. So coaches, one thing that I encourage you to do is sit down with your setter, even with your team for that matter, and when you're walking, when you're looking at film, for example, and walking through a match, really pinpoint decision-making. Why did you make that decision? What were you thinking? And then share what you were thinking as a coach because, you know, generally speaking, you're going to have a good sense on what, what, how the flow of the offense should look. Um, so it's good to have that conversation and, and keep open, you know, definitely, definitely keep open with your, your set and your team regarding decision-making. The third point I want to talk about is having confidence 
with in-game adjustments. Um, this is something that I think my, myself and my coaching staff do quite well. Um, not to toot our own horn here, but uh, we we've done a, we've we we figured out how to make in-game adjustments, and we have a system that works for our team, where you know certain coaches are responsible for looking at certain things, and you know I'm responsible for looking at certain things. So when we put all of our our heads together at that point, we can make the best in-game adjustments given the data that we have. You know, our one of my assistant coaches responsible for doing just stats, and then one of my assistant coaches responsible for looking at you know the other team's blocking formation and lineup and who's releasing early and mismatches and things like that. So when we come together at the end of a set, we can easily determine well, do we need to make any kind of adjustments? Maybe do we need to change a certain rotation or uh, sub in someone else or do you know, whatever whatever the case is? Just having the ability to make those in-game adjustments are important. And I know you might be thinking, well, what what are some kind of in-game adjustments you can make? Well, simple things like matchups. You know, matching up someone else that is a, a better matchup for you um, at the net. Uh, you know, maybe changing a serving order. Maybe starting off with a stronger server. You know, uh, but most of the times it's going to come with matchups. Um, but you could also, you know, modify serve receive patterns and things like that. Number four, my fourth takeaway, and again, this is a takeaway I take away every year almost, and that is c- culture continues to be a pillar in our program. It is a vital pillar in our program, and I can tell you that we this season. Um, and again, nothing, nothing is personal when, when I'm, when I'm sharing these things with you, no, nothing's personal, but you know, unfortunately we had to cut a player from our team this season because, uh, you know, this player kept coming late to practice and unfortunately missed a game and the, the, we could, you could tell the commitment wasn't the same as the rest of the guys. So, and if we had allowed this player to continue being late, you're setting the wrong culture. So unfortunately, we had to let him go because um, the other guys were all on time and ready to go. So, and that player was was a good player. He actually played in many of our games, and he would have been a, a role player on this team if not a starter. Um, but we had to let him go. So culture continues to be the forefront of what we do. I'm gonna give you another example. We we have film sessions before every game, and you know, at the request of the coaching staff, players are supposed to come with serving charts ready to go before film. So, you know, we all the all the athletes have access to film. They are responsible for, for doing their own serving charts. And we had a game against one of the lower seeded teams in our league. And the players the the expectation is obviously to win, but you know, but we, because the they're the lowest seed team and we're one of the higher seed teams, some of the starters decided not to do their serving charts. And I'm not saying that's the reason why they did it, but it's evident that that had to play a factor in it. And four starters did not do their serving charts. So unfortunately, those four starters didn't play that game. They were benched because they didn't do it. Now, it didn't matter if this game was against the lowest ranked team or the highest ranked team. Culture continues to be a pillar in our program. And it's important that you stick to your culture. If you start making like you know exceptions and different things that okay you know what this is your one chance like your culture is not going to be strong and coaches i can tell you with experience this is the hardest thing to do i know i know coaches always say yeah yeah we want championship culture in our gym we want this type of culture that type of culture but are you willing to follow through with that culture that's that's a really tough question you gotta you know ask yourself are you willing to bench your best players if they don't come through and embrace 
and practice that culture. And if you are, then you are going to have a championship type culture. I promise you. Because our very next film session that we had, everybody had fantastic serving charts. You can tell they were even more prepared for that game. Everybody knew exactly what they were getting themselves into when it comes to playing that other team. And we had one of our best film sessions we had of the season. Now, I'm not saying that the only reason we did that was because, you know, four of our starters didn't do their serving charts, but I guarantee you that definitely played a role. And they understood how serious these matters are. And that, again, that is an expectation that goes to culture. So, you know, really, really uh, sticking to that, I think is important. And that, that, that's a lesson in itself is making sure that we continue to dial into that culture and be there and understand what that means and have the confidence to follow through with that. Okay. The, uh, what do we got? One, two, three, four. The, the fifth thing that I want to talk about is match, uh, match preparation because match preparation is still a significant aspect of our game. And I honestly, you know, I, I've looked at this from so many different ways and there, you can never have too little information or rather too much information. You know, some of the greatest coaches I respect will have pages and pages and pages of information when it comes to match preparation. Some coaches will have, you know, not maybe just a page. Um, every coach is going to be different. Every level is different. So it all, it all depends on, you know, what level you're coaching at as well. But I can definitely say that match preparation is significant. And the more you prepare as a coach for the match, the better you'll be able to make those in-game adjustments, be able to put the right lineup out on the, out on the court, have a game plan going into it. The more you look at film, the more you understand tendencies, you understand style of play, mismatches when it comes to matchups, that will help you prepare for that match. So don't sleep on match preparation. It's important. Even if you're a club coach, high school coach, and you're playing in a tournament where there's maybe six, you know, eight or nine teams there, and it's it's going to be tougher to prepare for those matches. But you know, in between games, you can definitely take a couple things away from your upcoming match and, and apply it to your team right away. Like you know, certain matchups, certain things in your little pregame with your players, you can still definitely address one or two one or two key things you need to make sure you do in order to put yourself in the best position to win. So you know, match preparation is definitely important. Um, let's go on to, I think we're at the sixth one, right? One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, the sixth one. So the sixth one is basically uh, something that I've, I've learned a lot over the course of my career, and that is to interview every athlete before you commit to them to be on your team and make sure they're the right fit. Um, because one thing that I've learned is your athletes aren't going to change during your season. You know, one of the biggest mistakes that I've seen coaches make is they take an athlete that they know does not fit their culture, that they know is a potential problem, but because of their skill, they ignore those red flags. And in some cases, they'll see the red flags, but they'll say, you know what, this person will be different on our team. And I can tell you from experience that that is false. They will not be different on your team. They may act different in the beginning, maybe, but eventually their true nature is going to be shown. And that's going to be a problem for your team if they don't fit your culture from the beginning. So make sure that every athlete fits that culture and have an interview with your athletes before you commit to them. I know this may sound silly and you may think, listen, I'm not going to interview all my, you know, my grade sevens or 14, 15 new players, but trust me, 
it's important. Find out, you know, who they are as a person, who they are as a player, what their where their mindset is at. What are they? What are their expectations? You know, what if you? What if you know they think they're going to be playing and they're on the bench? Well, they're not going to be happy. You're not going to be happy, and that might culturally hurt you. So, understanding roles and things like that early. Trust me. Interview your athletes before you take them. It will save you some time. I I can promise you that. Um, the the seventh thing that I, I want to talk about, honestly, is is so rudimentary, but serving and passing. It's still the utmost important skills in our game. It still is. I can tell you, you know, in that quarterfinal game that we lost to the best team in Canada, they served us off the court in moments of the match. Uh, we we are a very good passing team. We are normally in system. We were in system all season long, to be quite honest. We are a solid passing team. And unfortunately, in that match, they got 12 aces on our team. 12 aces. Which, which was the, was a high for us for allowing aces against us, or rather us committing it um, to receive errors. So, serving and passing is still the, the 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 cornerstone of your program, and I hope you're spending as much time on serving and passing as you should. Uh, if you like, turn your your athlete serves into a weapon, you know I've I've mentioned this in the past that it's the only skill in our game that you have a hundred percent control over. So why not go all in on it and make it a weapon? Make it that you can earn points without doing anything except from the serving line. That is where you become really elite. So focus on that serve and pass. Find out what what serve your players uh, are, are are the best at. Find out where where they can. and as a coach you can you got to figure this out too. Like you know on our team, a lot of our players came into the season float serving because they've never been taught how to spin or they've never believed that their spinner is going to be something good because it's not consistent. They make errors and they go back to the float because the float is a safer option. Well, we don't want the safer option in our game. We want to score. We want to win. We want to be aggressive. So we transition a lot of our players to spin serving and they have some of the best spin servers in the league now. So something to, something to consider is making that serve a weapon. And the final thing that I'll say, and it's, it's, it's one of those things that not many coaches and parents like to hear, but at the higher level, height matters. I know you're, you might roll your eyes at me when I say height matters, but honestly, at the higher level, height matters. You can only do so much if you're matched up against a, like I'll give you an example. If you're matched up against a 6'7 right side and you're a 5'11 blocker on a 6'7 right side, are you going to tell me that height doesn't matter? Of course it matters. Height matters. Yes. Uh, you know, some some of the, some people may say, well, then make them a setter. Well, your setter has to block the left side. And a left side is generally one of their best offensive weapons. So height does matter. Now, will I give up a little bit of height as a setter if my setter is fantastic and has amazing location and the best decision making? Then yeah, I will absolutely give up a little height for that because that is what you want. Your, set your setter is going to do their job effectively. And that's going to outweigh some points lost because of their height. But if you have an attacker who's going to consist consistently get blocked, get blocked, where you may have a, a, a taller attacker, you know that's something you got to consider. So height matters. And unfortunately, in our last game, we were really small compared to this team. This team had one of the best blocks I've seen in a long time in our, in our league. And we our our guys we we train our guys to hit high hands. 
But as much as you can do it in practice, it's a whole different ballgame when it's in-game and you see it in real life. And we were we, 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 we did okay. Like We were still scoring in, in certain moments, but they got a ton of block touches on us and they put a ball they put a lot of balls away as well so you know it's something to uh, to just note that when you're picking your team height does play a factor in your decision making uh, especially at the higher level so this was this one was a, a little bit of a quicker a, a quick uh, ah, I'm losing my train of thought here. It was a quicker episode um, because it was just you know it was just some takeaways from my 2021 22 22 season. Now I've talked a lot about my season at, over the last couple of weeks of the podcast, so you've heard a lot of the stories. But just to really quickly recap, patience, experience matters. Sometimes it takes young teams one season to go through and actually gain that experience to make them better for the next year. Decision making is important. Number two, decision making is important. And in some cases, some coaches say decision making is even more important than location. And I understand completely where they're coming from. Third, have the confidence with your in-game adjustments, understanding how to do them and that things like matchups and lineups and how that's going to be, how you're going to maximize your ability to score in certain positions. Um, Number four, culture. Yeah, culture is a big pillar in your program and not only having culture but you know owning that culture respecting it and follow through like following through with that culture and holding your players accountable to that culture very very difficult to do but it's important for the culture and the longevity of your program uh, five match preparation is significant. Okay, you can never be more prepared. Now that doesn't mean you tell your athletes, uh, you know, a million different things. No, you know, you, you're specific and simple with your athletes. But for you as a coach, um, there is never a situation where too much information is, or more information is too much information. So understand that. Uh, number six, uh, interviewing your athletes, having conversations, understanding if they're the right fit making that decision as best as you can before the season starts. Because I can tell you from experience, people don't change during the season. And don't be that coach that says, I'm going to change that kid. I'm going to change them. They'll be different in my program. No, they won't. I, I can almost guarantee it. Number seven was serving and passing. It's still, it still absolutely is the pillar of our game and it's important and you got to work on your serve and pass. It's the only skill you have 100% control over in terms of serving. So definitely, definitely dial into that. And then the last one was height. Height absolutely matters um, because, you know, if you're up against, you know, like I said, if you're a 5'11 attacker up against a 6'7 blocker, I mean, are you going to tell me height doesn't matter? I, I don't think you would. So, you know, just the, those, are the, those are the ones that I think are, are important. And I'll throw in another one in there for you. Here's a bonus one. Another takeaway, but this is the reason I didn't have it in there is because it's a takeaway that I have every year, and that is becoming a more efficient coach. Every year when I reflect and I look back in my season, I try to think about how could I have been more efficient in my coaching this season. And if you make that one of your pillars to improve every season, you will be a better coach. I guarantee it because you're going to waste less time in practice and more time getting quality reps and quality coaching to help your players develop faster and just be that much better in a short amount of time. So those are my eight takeaways for you. I hope that um, you were able to get some value out of that. And if you are a DVA member, um, we do what we talk a lot about this stuff inside DVA and a lot of the live trainings that I've done in the past. So um, definitely go into the coach's blueprint and take a look at that. 
And if you're not a DVA member and you'd like to be, head on over to digitalvolleyballacademy.com. That's digitalvolleyballacademy.com. Get registered for the waitlist. We're currently closed, but that's okay. Get on the waitlist and you'll be first to notified when the doors are open. And in the event that you don't know what Digital Volleyball Academy is, um, it's my signature membership where I get to mentor coaches all around the world and welcome them into our gym so they can see what we're doing behind the scenes to our film sessions, our practices, our game planning, everything when it comes to what we do in our gym, as well as you get access to all the courses that I've created based on all the positions of our game. We jump on coaching calls twice a month where I engage engage in Q&A and live training. And there's just an amazing community of coaches inside DVA that you'll get a chance to meet and know and be able to work with. So it's one of those programs where if you're a coach going at this alone, uh, I'd, I'd really encourage you to, to think about you know signing up and joining us and really having us help you accelerate your coaching that much faster with a group of like-minded coaches behind you, um, as well as being able to kind of uh, you know look at my look over my shoulder and see what we do in our college gym. Uh, that's it for me, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. I will see you guys next week with another one. Take care. All right, cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training? And instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days. When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.